Hello, all of you Bulletproof Marketer fans out there. It's your host, Christopher Tompkins, and you are listening to one of our classic BPM episodes. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Social Marketing Academy, a big subject that we've been always thinking about in the back of our mind. I mean, if you're much like me, is is security um, and security online and how to keep not only yourself and your business, but also your family and friends and your network safe um, during the times when there's a lot of compliance issues. There's a lot of, lot of heightened security that's being put across by Apple and Android and all of these other um, platforms that you're utilizing. That is why I am bringing my good friend, Scott Schober in. Scott's an, a security expert, and he's going to be talking about a lot of different security concerns that um, you have written in about. Um, so we have some really great questions. I'm just looking at some of them right now. Um, I'm really excited for us to dig in. So if security is something that you're very interested in, Scott is the person to listen to, and this episode is going to be extremely informative, um, especially going into um, a high volume end of the year. This is a time when um, the robocalls will go up and there's going to be lots of phishing scams out there. So Scott's going to be able to jump right in there and help. So I'm going to let him in in just a minute, and I'll tell you more about him in just a minute. Uh, but also, well, welcome to our show. You can listen to our show on any of the podcast uh, platforms that you have, as well as you can watch us on YouTube. If you want to get more out of the show, uh, please visit us online. Go salesandmarketing.com. It's www.gosalesandmarketing.com. That's the website for my digital marketing agency, the, so the Go Agency. On there is a page for podcasts. This is where you want to check this out. Check out our podcast page. You can listen to all of our past shows, but also look through the show topics to see maybe one of the experts that would be most interesting to you. We cover a lot of different areas. And also, these are my friends. So if you want to get connected because you're thinking, hey, maybe I want to get into affiliate marketing, or maybe I need to get Scott and his team to do a security run through for me or just a check. I can make that introduction, or you can click all of the links on the shows to contact them directly. So very easily accessible, and that's the whole goal of our show. We want, I want you to give, I want to give you access to my network so that you're able to learn, grow, and um, level up whatever business that you're working in currently. So let me get back to Scott. He's, oh, one more thing before I forget, I'm pointing at the screen. Uh, when you're on our website, make sure to sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter which is called The Bulletproof Marketer. Um, it is funny, it is factual, and it is very late breaking. So if you wanna be up to date with all the newest digital trends, uh, sign up for The Bulletproof Mo uh, Marketer. It is your dossier to all of that. And that goes out twice a week. So sign up for that. There'll be a pop-up on the website easy to find. So let's start talking about Scott. Scott Schober is the president and CEO of Berkeley Veritronic Systems, um, a 48-year-old New Jersey-based provider of advanced world-class wireless test and security solutions. He's also an author of three best-selling books, Hacked Again, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business, and Senior Cyber. 
Scott's a highly sought after author and expert for live security events, media appearances and commentary on the topics of ransomware, wireless threats, drone surveillance. Oh my gosh, I've talked about that about four times this week actually, drone surveillance, and hacking cybersecurity for consumers and small businesses. He's been seen all over the place. So you're probably going to recognize him. He's been on ABC News, Bloomberg TV, Al Jazeera America, CBS This Morning, um, CNN, Fox Business, and so many others. He also serves as a CSO and chief media commentator for cybersecurity ventures and sits on several cyber advisory boards for various companies. So this guy is the guy to talk to when we're talking about cybersecurity. So I'm so pleased to have him on today to answer the questions that you have sent over over the past few weeks um, about him coming on. Here he is, Scott. Thank you so hey. much for joining us. Welcome to the Social Marketing Academy. Hey, thanks for having me. Look forward to a nice conversation. Yeah, fantastic. I was just telling um, telling a little bit uh, about you to all of our listeners, but is there anything that you'd like to do as an introduction to yourself? No, I'd just like to share with everybody. I love talking about cybersecurity, wireless technology, and I try to always impart and share tips, just things that we can keep safer in our lives and in our business. And I think that's really important, that sharing of information. Uh, helps me keep going and keeps me energized, but it, but it also helps people hopefully stay safe from cyber criminals. Absolutely. And it's, <clears throat> it's such a growing concern. And I, I, I think that that's kind of, uh, it's, it's like saying the next big thing is going to be um, video marketing and then it never really hits. Cybersecurity has always been hitting and it's always been um, a, 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 a top of the news cycle um, at many different points throughout the year. <clears throat> One of the things that I've noticed quite a bit is the, the focus on seniors. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I want to say vulnerable people. And, but why do you feel that um, so many seniors and elderly are often targeted by cyber criminals and scammers? And what, what advice, you have so much experience, you wrote three books about this, come on. Um, what, what can they do to stay safe? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, I, I think, and, and kind of to, to back up a little bit to give it some context, yeah. When, when I was, after I wrote my first two books, I was helping my, my parents who are both seniors and have some underlying health issues going through a lot of different challenges. And then also my grandfather at the time, who, who was 99 years old, very active with technology, computers, smartphones, tablets. Mm. And I was constantly getting questions, calls. Scott, I'm having problems with my password. I can't find it. I can't log into this site. I've got malware on my machine. What do I do? Again and again, I'm trying to help this senior population that I'm related to. And I'm getting frustrated because I couldn't really spend the time to do it. So I started doing some research. And I said, geez, there's got to be some great videos, some great books out there that can kind of help a little bit process so they can do things when I'm not there. And as I started to look, I only found a few things. And a few of the things that I started reading, I'm looking at, and I'm saying, this really talks down to a senior, almost to yeah. the point where it was a little maybe childish or a little bit insulting. And I said, this is kind of offensive. If I was a senior after, you know, working hard, living my life, and now I'm in retirement, trying to use computers and do basic things, and I'm getting frustrated, I'd almost get intimidated and back up. So mm -hmm. I kind of approached senior cyber that way. And I said, I'm going to try to write a book that talks to the senior on their level without boggling them with all these crazy acronyms and terms yeah. and, and that was kind of the approach so 
as I did that, I, I thought a lot about it. Why are they targeted so much to, to your point? Yeah. And, and it's often because they have a level of innocence. They certainly trust people more than the average person, I think. And there's a little in, bit of that intimidation with technology. So when you combine these different things, and then on top of that, most seniors, especially if they're, if they're a little bit older and they've gone through maybe tough times, maybe they came out of the, the growing up after the war, or the depression they learned about, um, they've had some tough times and they've worked hard and had to save, they have some, some assets and things that cyber criminals want to steal. And they don't always necessarily protect it because again, that innocence and trust. So maybe that mix of things together makes them the perfect target for cyber criminals to move in. Really, they, 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 they attack everyone. They want you know, the low hung fruit, the easiest steal that they can get, whether credit card, debit card, stealing money from you know, IRS, whatever the case may be. But that, that sweet spot seems to be seniors when you really start doing the research. And that's what, what I found. I had to do a lot of research and understand it, first of all, and sure. talk to a lot of seniors. And, and then suddenly it opened up and I said, I got to write a book on this. It really is an unserved area. And, and hence the, the genesis of senior cyber. And you know what, it's, it's, <clears throat> I love this. I love that POV because one of the things that I, I work with my own agency a lot in the senior living um, and senior health and elder living and elder care industries and not exclusively, but enough to know that what you said is a very common, um, a, a common issue where it's speaking down. And um, you'd be interested to know, I think maybe, who knows, um, that I was looking through marketing materials and I was given a marketing pack by a company that we, we, we didn't choose to work with. But um, regardless, they gave me a pack of what their marketing materials were going to be and they wanted me to give an assessment. And they had a cybersecurity pack in there. And in the cybersecurity pack, they had a cartoon character that was talking to a cartoon woman. And it was how you should be safe and how you should. And it was literally something that would be from Random House Books for Kids, uh, like a bookmark. Um, it was insulting. And they were saying, put this by your phone, or they had a magnet version of it. And I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, if I, I would, that would insult me so much and I would throw that away so quickly. And then guess what? I'm throwing away and opening myself up to the opportunities that if I was just talked to like a human being with respect, it, it's a whole different way of, uh, you, know, you know, imprinting, I guess, the idea. So it's, I, I, it's interesting because I think that you do have to kind of see why, you have to dig in to see why it's happening and finding out, uh, finding out those levels of innocence and finding out that it's not blind innocence. It's not, <laughs> these people have had amazing lives. It's just an area that they're just uncomfortable with a little bit. Um, and, and kind of breaking it down through, obviously through your books is, is a really powerful thing. So how, how, what is your first piece of advice really on how they can stay safe, seniors in particular? Well, I, I think one thing that I've learned, and, and I guess this is true for seniors and all audiences, yeah. I do a lot, of, a lot of public speaking. In fact, I'm, I'm going to be heading out tomorrow, heading out to Iowa to the cybersecurity conference. So I'm talking to cybersecurity practitioners and experts, seniors, a lot of different groups, universities, you name it. Um, and the common thing with all the different groups is people say, you know what? They're going to steal my information. I have nothing to hide. What's the big deal? I hear this kind of like, 
almost a complacency, like I'm giving up, why bother? And that's another thing that really starts to bother me because all of us have valuable information. Personal information mm -hmm. is extremely valuable. You can put a price tag on all personal information from a cyber criminal standpoint, yeah. you, you go on the dark web and you can see what does it cost to buy somebody's identity? What does it cost to buy a stolen credit card, debit card, whatever it is, driver's license, everything is for sale. And it's a shame, but, but it really is true. So I think it's important to kind of back up from that and, and kind of just set the stage and realize all of our information is valuable and it is important. And it's important for us to take cybersecurity seriously to ourselves. Once we can kind of get past that, then we can learn how to start protecting it. And, and the things that I typically share, especially in, in senior cyber, are not big spends. They're not super techie complicated. They're really what I call best practices, simple things that we could do. And I usually start out, and, and as you flip through the book, you'll probably see it. A lot of it's things like simple passwords, understanding passwords, What what is a strong password. It's something that is long, that takes a long time for a hacker or automated tools to actually crack. And once we realize that, we realize the importance of making it strong and obscure, and then probably more important, how to remember it. Either being using a passphrase that we could use that starts off with a letter for each word and alternate upper lowercase, and then add in there some numbers and symbols, but things that are not related to us, things that are not found in a common dictionary. If it's something you could read out of the password, it's not a good password. Any common words, pet names, birthdays, things like that. The very common things that we all hear all the time, yet many people still do it. And on top of that, I always preach and emphasize one of the most important things when you do create a long, strong password, it's important that you manage it properly. You use a password manager, or for some older people, they're not comfortable using technology to store their passwords. Remember a big, long, strong password to access it and encryption and so on and so forth. Then I encourage, get a little black book. Maybe they write recipes down. They write phone numbers mm -hmm. down. There's nothing wrong with that if you apply layers of security. In other words, take your little black book, which I have, and I do use this. I preach it, and I actually do it. I use password manager. I use keychains to manage my passwords for browsers but I also use a black book for my real secure stuff. Mm -hmm. Lock safe, locked office, locked building, cameras, alarm. Layers of security, which we all resonate and understand with, keep things secure in cybersecurity as well as our home. We could relate to locking our home more than just a simple lock on our door, but deadbolt, camera, alarm system, FIDO stickers, whatever we do mm -hmm. helps put it in perspective. So it's important to do that. And then the final thing, which again, these are these are the, the, the baseline best practices I always talk about. Right. Not to reuse the same password across multiple login sites. That's that's the number one no-no. Why? Because more than 50% of Americans, young and old, do this. So if they sign up for Facebook because they hear their friends on Facebook to share pictures, hey, that's great. Again, create a long, strong password. Don't ever reuse that same password on um, your banking, your stock portfolio, your retirement, to log into your IRS to file a refund. That's the problem. When more than 50% of people do that, once the hacker gets one compromised password, they will now use automated tools that will try that same password on all of the popular sites. So once they get into one, 
Every time you reuse it, now they have access to get into all your accounts. They change the passwords, they take it over. People don't seem to get that yet. Yeah. And I think that that's a major problem. Once they can achieve those couple basic steps, then I talk about multi-factor authentication. Again, another layer of security, yeah. things like that. But I don't think it's good to overwhelm somebody with too much at once. Step-by-step, step, take control of your security so you kind of empower and you feel safe. And more importantly, you actually are safe. And the cyber criminal just goes to another target. That's all they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 interesting that you say the little black book, um, because my uh, my mother recently was um, was asking me, you know, I wanted to get a planner. I can't find a planner, and I said, Well, what do you what do you need a planner for? What are you planning? Because so my mother, my parents are in their seventies, and um, I uh, she was like, No, I need a password planner. And my dad was like, Why are you writing down your passwords? You don't need to do that. You have the computer to save it on your phone and. And I, and I, and I said, and I said, well, mom, why are you doing that? What did, why do you feel like you need to do that? And she's like, because I feel like these are my high level things that I want to keep the safest. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I asked her, I said, well, what's the only problem that you have with that? Do you have any issues keeping that up to date? Or like, what, what do you do with it? And she's like, only sometimes I can't read my own handwriting. And I said, and I said, well, you know what? If that's the worst case, you can always reset your password because you know where it's going to be sent to. So, you know, there is a, there is a fail safe. But I, I was just, I walked away from that and I was kind of just like, you know what? It, it, there's so much value in that, you know? Um, it doesn't have to be a scary, like, because when you talk about those long tail passwords, even someone like me that deals with like thousands of passwords a day, it's like, oh my gosh, we'll get one from a client and it's like, taller than six feet and um I, I got it i'm i'm gonna remember it i'm gonna figure out how to do it but um is there a such thing as too long or is there a is it is it too difficult um no because if, if you if you really analyze it from a mathematical perspective it, it's probably a safer bet to say this what's long enough so when, when you're at the point where it's 10 to 12 characters and, when, and if it allows you to do yeah. alphanumeric and symbols in the mix, so it's yeah, yeah. completely obscure, then you know it's gonna take thousands of years to crack. All of this goes out the window, unfortunately. And again, not to get technical, but the next generation of passwords and password hacking is gonna really come about when we get into the world of quantum computing. We hear about quantum computing and artificial yeah. intelligence and machine learning right. once all of that happens and we get into that next stage of things which is kind of happening in the next few years um no matter what level of encryption that you have you could have aes 256 bit encryption type 2 dod certified it'll be hacked like this so really long passwords that are hashed and encrypted are going to be easily hackable but don't worry about that right now. Worry about that in a few years. So really, we got to worry about here and now. Create that 10 to 12 character strong password. Write them down if you're not comfortable with a password manager. Again, I am. I, I personally get asked the question. I use Dashlane extensively. Love it. Simple to use. Affordable. Logical. Makes sense. Go between different devices. So when I'm traveling, I can access passwords and things. Right. That's just my personal opinion. But I encourage mm -hmm. people check out the one that works for you, that meets your budget, that meets your level of security. Some of them, and I'm not gonna mention them, some of these password managers have been compromised. 
So when people tell me that it's a stupid idea to write the password down, I said, well, not necessarily. Would you put all your eggs in one basket with a company that now holds all your passwords? Yeah, they keep them encrypted. And yeah, it's really hard to hack into, but however, some of them have been breached and compromised. That scares me. So you've got to make the right decision for yourself and ask yourself, how secure are the sites that you're trying to manage these passwords? How many passwords? To your point, if you're juggling thousands of them, it's hard to write them down. Yeah. Thousands of them. So it may not be the right solution for you. But for a senior that may have 10 passwords that are are hard to remember, that are long and strong, there may be a small black book that's locked away, makes more sense. So it's finding that balance for each person. Nobody can tell you the perfect solution. But reasoning that all out, I think, leads you to the best solution. And and that allows you to now take to the next step. In turn, and one question that I've been asked a couple times over the last few months is um, the auto, the password auto generating services, as mm-hmm. well as when Google says, "Would you like us just to come up with one for you, or WordPress or what have you?" Um, should people do that, or is it better to not do that? Or because I, the question was, well, if they're generating it; it's saved in their database and it's easily hacked. Um, so I mean, what say you on something like that? Well, again, I always back up and, and, and try to put a qualifier on it. Mm. Is it for something where you're accessing your bank account, your stock portfolio, your retirement? I would not do that. And I do not do that. If it's something as simple as logging on to your Facebook and there it is created a long and strong 15 character, uh, random password that's in a keychain that is encrypted that only Facebook has access to, yeah, it's probably safe to do. Um, Nothing's 100% safe. However, the the, the caveat to that statement, here's the mistake that people make. Now they they create that one password for Facebook. What do they do for convenience? Facebook allows you to log on with Facebook on another site. So now what's the mistake there? Now you, again, if you have one password for logging on multiple multiple sites, that's a no-no. Because again, if that one password is ever compromised, you're saying, well, I logged on to my travel, my Expedia account through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if that's ever compromised, now you have multiple things that you have to worry about. So you really want to do it. It's all about managing and mitigating risk, the world of cybersecurity. Nobody's got the magic silver bullet. I certainly don't. My company was targeted and hacked. My first book hacked again. Debit card, credit card, Twitter account, $65,000 taken out of our checking account. Wow. I'm a cybersecurity expert and I run a security company. What does that tell you? Nobody is secure. JP Morgan, one of the largest banks in the world with some of the best cybersecurity, compromised. So that tells us we need to do the best that we can with what we have, but realize nothing's 100%. So we constantly have to improve our security posture and stance to stay one step ahead of the cyber criminals. That's really what's important. Once I, I started adopting that, I was successful. But mm-hmm. if you get complacent, then you start to fall behind and then you have problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, now, you know, under the guise of the pandemic and COVID and, and all of that, um, uh, how, how has the workforce moving from the office environment to the home environment kind of, opened up the cybersecurity conversation again? Yeah, great question. I, I think that that pivot over the past year and a half with a, an abundance of remote workers all accessing the company's network 
remotely has opened up Pandora's box. And for a few reasons, um, what happens when we remotely access a computer? Well, obviously we have logging credentials. So that, that information is flying around, but what's the origin of it? Typically it's from our home. So what are some of the weaknesses there? Are we using multi-factor, two-factor authentication? verifying and authenticating that I am who I am and I'm authorized to log into my company's network. But oftentimes there could be a man in the middle attack where they can intercept that and pretend now that they're suddenly Scott logging into yeah. the remote site. Mm -hmm. Big problem. In fact, if you analyze lots of these breaches, go back 2013 to Target, HVAC company mm -hmm. that was doing work for Target. That was the conduit to get in to the point of sale terminals to acquire that great number of millions and millions of credit cards and hence compromise. JP Morgan, Colonial Pipeline, mm -hmm. old password, VPN that wasn't updated. So the, these are always, again, conduits to get in from remote access points. So that's number one when they're not using multi-factor, two-factor authentication. Another thing that we need to really keep in mind is most of us at home have a basic broadband connection and probably have a wireless access point. And what do we typically do? We're excited to set that up. We wanna get on the internet, we wanna play games, we wanna watch Netflix. Do we have it configured right? In other words, are we using the default administration um, logging credentials, admin and password one, two, three, four, whatever it came with the default on, or do we set it up with the proper security? Did we implement WPA2, WPA3 levels of encryption? Are we not broadcasting our SSID uh, of the unique identifier for our access point? If you just ask yourself those three or four questions, most people go, what? I don't know. I just turned the thing on and got it to work. I was happy enough that worked. That's part of the problem. Hmm. We need to stop and spend time. If you don't know how to set that up, that's okay. You can Google search it. Yep. You can phone a friend, bring in somebody that knows a little more techie or, or IT, get some help, bring in Geek Squad, whatever, whatever you need to do make sure that you properly secure that because that is the conduit that most often when somebody wants to hack into a company, they start outside your house, outside your parking lot of your company mm -hmm. and hack in through the Wi-Fi. Once they get in, they work laterally through the network. They accumulate over time, login credentials, passwords, social security numbers, credit cards. They amass all of that stuff. They download it, steal it. Then oftentimes they'll load malware onto your system which is a, typically a strain of that will be ransomware, lock, encrypt your files. They hold the magic key. They got a ransom and then gun to your head. So you yeah. can kind of see how it plays out, but it all starts with us at home, at work, securing mm -hmm. passwords, securing our hardware. Very important. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you. And I, I think in, in, in kind of moving, transitioning from work into personal, you know, um, towards the end of the year, we have some of the busiest holiday season. I mean, the busy holiday season, lots of shopping, lots of uh, people traveling, obviously Thanksgiving being the number one hol um, travel holiday in the U.S. alone. Um, what are the best practices that we could all take to protect our credit and debit cards at the gas pump or at the ATM, which when we're trying to grab some extra cash? Yeah, yeah, good, good point there. I use a lot of question there. And again, I try to do things old school. So seniors tend to appreciate that. Younger generations look at me like I'm an old man. I tend to use cash <laughs> if I can. If I'm going to a gas pump and I am not familiar with that pump, if I've never gone to that station before, I'm going to whip out cash way faster than credit card. Why? If you just open your wallet, open your purse, 
Look inside of it and look at your credit card. What do you see on the back of the credit card? Nine out of 10 times, there's a mag stripe on there. That's the magic formula that cyber thieves need. They need to take that mag stripe. That information is your CVV data. That's all they need to go into business. So when that credit card, be it by you or the attendant at the gas station, sticks that into the pump, the transaction will complete $50 in gas you buy. They pull the credit card out. But if there's a skimmer inside there, and all a skimmer is is basically a second magnetic read head that reads that magnetic stripe on the bottom of your card. That's stored into a buffer. And it could be an old school skimmer, or it could be one that's called a Bluetooth skimmer, which basically means wireless is added. So the thief puts the Bluetooth skimmer inside the gas pump, and then it accumulates all these stolen credit cards. Every time it's a transaction, it's stored inside there, that little buffer inside the Bluetooth skimmer, and hundreds of credit cards per day. You may wonder, how in the world do cyber criminals get a skimmer inside of a gas pump? Well, the millions of gas pumps throughout the United States 90% of them have a common generic key, and there's six different keys in combinations that open up the gas pump. So therefore, you go on eBay, 15 bucks, you buy those six keys, you can pretty much open any gas pump you go to anywhere in the United States. Open the gas pump, Bluetooth skimmer that you buy on the dark web, you plug into the top of the POS, the point of sale terminal there, takes your credit card in, close it 15 to 20 seconds, cyber criminal is in business. That's it. That's all it takes. Now he never has to return to the crime scene. All he has to do is drive up within 75-foot proximity of that gas pump, and he does is he pairs up with that Bluetooth skimmer by his laptop, and he downloads hundreds of stolen credit cards from each pump each day, netting billions and billions of dollars in stolen credit cards. Goes home, burns fresh cards, buys gift, gift cards then, then he gives them away to his girlfriend. He, here's a gift card to Victoria's Secret for $100. Hmm. Give me $25 for that. And that's how it is kind of like a little scheme that they do really to kind of launder the stolen credit cards. Or right. they do online shopping is your point, especially during shopping time. They start buying stuff like crazy. Now, the common misnomer is that, well, Scott, wait a minute. If I look on my card, it says chip and pen. It's secure. It is and it isn't. Now, chip and pin, what does that mean? That means it's got a microchip in there that communicates, tokenized encrypted connection there. So it is secured, yes. Pin, when you put your credit card in the front of a point of sale terminal, any retail gas pump, anywhere, do you actually enter in a pin? Most people say, uh, no, not unless it's a debit card. You're right. Mm -hmm. Because true chip and pin means you have to enter in a code. What we talked about earlier. Layers of security, another layer of security. What they found in the United States, most Americans are too lazy to remember yet another code or PIN or password. So they do what's called chip and signature. So now I can just stick my card in front of a point of sale terminal and I can oh. sign anything else at any store. No one ever checks my signature and they validate the signature based upon whatever I scribble or don't scribble on the back of my card. Not secure. No. So people need to realize, just turn your card over, see mag stripe on the back, Stop and think. That's when I say, if I don't know where I'm putting this in, I'm not familiar with that machine, that gas pump or whatever, pay by cash, much safer. The same could be applied to an ATM. Yeah. There the difference is with an ATM, they usually also do need to find the pin because for a debit card at an ATM, you have to enter in your pin. Most important thing to do if you do use a debit card, which I strongly discourage because 
the liability and the rules don't protect you as a consumer. It's basically mm -hmm. reaching in your wallet or your purse, taking money out. Whereas a credit card in the US, we have the best laws to protect you from credit card fraud. You're only held liable for $50. If you call your issuing bank and complain and say, hey, I'm a loyal customer, this and that, nine out of 10 times, they waive the $50 charge and you yeah. have zero liability. That's a beautiful thing. Not same with debit card. They take money out of your account, $1,000 is gone. Guess what? You're out $1,000. You got to fight, wait. Eventually, you might get it back or most of it back, but it's a pain in the butt. I know when I had money taken from my company per and myself personally, when I was targeted, it became a federal investigation because it was over $50,000. Paperwork, phone calls, letters, it took forever. Finally got all the money back, but what a pain. Nobody mm. wants to go through that if you don't have to. So again, use that balance when it's too convenient when we use our credit card. And I always say, balance your choices, security versus convenience. When there's a trade-off there, I always opt for security, which is not that convenient. And that sometimes helps us put things in perspective. So stop, analyze it and say, wow, this takes longer, but it is more secure. Go for the security. It'll save you just about every time. Uh, just a question from your experience um, I'm studying all of this. Do you, do you feel that, um, we're talking about seniors earlier, do you feel that seniors carry more cash than uh, you know, the youth and um, young, uh, people that are younger and coming up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I see that more often. Statistically, seniors will have more cash on them. Mm. Um, they probably won't frequent the bank as much, or when I say bank, I should say ATM. They're not using a debit card because you look at a younger generation, they're very apt to just stick a card in and pay the $2, $3 fee or whatever is and grab a quick $20 to go get a burger or something. Mm -hmm. A senior is a little more frugal and think about it. I'm not going to spend $2 to get my access to my money. I'm going to go once a month to the bank, cash in my social security or pull out whatever, or keep some money under the, the mattress or keep some money hidden in a safe. Most common place, one of my books I share is in the freezer. So don't, don't keep your money in the freezer because thieves know that just, just an FYI. Um, <laughs> Have a safe that's bolted into the frame of your house or the floor so it cannot be lifted up, regardless of how heavy it is. A lot of thieves come in with a little dolly or something. They don't even try to open the safe. They just throw it on dolly and wheel it out. Yeah. Don't care what damage is done. So having it bolted in properly, that's why there are those bolt patterns to drill through. Have a professional installer do it if you don't have the tools for it. It will save you. And then put your, your, your valuables, your passwords, your jewelry, your money, into that safe because most properly built safes take hours to drill through. They don't have time for that. Thieves want to come in, grab and run before they get caught. This is a physical thief I'm talking about. So just mm -hmm. little tips there that I think are important for people to realize. Again, it's, it's all about slowing them down, deterring them, right. making it harder to steal your valuables. That's what's important. Excellent. Wow, I mean, uh, there's there've been so many things that we've covered today in our interview that I think are just extremely valuable, and I'm hoping that people are picking up what you're putting down. I mean, especially with, I mean, because one of the things I, it, well, I feel validated most of most of the things you're saying. The uh, just because I do keep I do keep a twenty dollar bill in my wallet. Why? Because I don't know when I want to use it. And it's because I'm going to want to use it, not because I'm going to buy something on a street vendor who doesn't take a card, but sometimes I don't want to bring my card out in certain situations. I mean, even when you're traveling and when I traveled international, I would always carry a lot of currency because 
you don't know what you don't know um, and putting yourself at risk in international situations is, is a challenge. Yeah, and I have one more thing to it. Yeah. Speaking to the senior or any consumer out there, yeah. to, to your point, if you are glued to your smartphone and live from your smartphone, as I do, I use an iPhone, consider using digital payments, a digital wallet. In other words, Apple Pay, Google Pay. Why do I say that? It, it does raise the bar a little bit on complexity and technology, but once you adopt and adjust to it, it really is no more complicated than using a credit card. What it does is it gives you layers of security, and the beauty of it all is in your said device, your, your, your Samsung, your Apple, whatever, you can then pay from that piece of hardware, your smartphone. You authenticate it by unlocking your phone. You can have a code that pops up that you enter in, or it could be scan your face, whatever the case may be. It authenticates, verifies it's you. Now you take that, and with near-field communication, you bring it toward the payment terminal. The beauty of it is your credit card never is stored in your device and it never is transmitted in your device or the entire credit card ecosystem, which most people don't realize. Oh. Rather, it's a one-time encrypted tokenized method to validate between your smart device that you authenticated and the issuing bank. And they say, yes, this is Scott Schober. They have on file his credit card and they authorize it by sending back another token to approve it so in other words no one in between can steal your credit card now suddenly you have an actual true safe means of payment that to me is very important and it balances it because actually the places that do accept digital payments it's convenient so it's a nice one if i run into quick check and i gotta buy twenty dollars of milk and this and that for my kids i can literally just take my phone out authenticate it bing walk out of the store and i get instant notification that a transaction happened and it's linked and tied directly to my credit card associated to my bank account but again that information is not sent through the processing system and the mm -hmm. merchant is not going to be compromised there that's a beautiful way to do it i don't know why more people haven't migrated over to that i think there's that uncertainty or fear perhaps oh yeah for sure but 